0: Hi, listeners. Today, we're excited to share an emotional and uplifting episode from a new podcast we think you'll love. Quien Are We is a podcast from Colorado Public Radio. It's a series hosted by journalist May Ortega, featuring intimate stories centered on Latinos from all walks of life. They've done episodes about an amateur chef on a mission to recreate the green chili recipe from his grandmother, never putting it in writing, a brewer who's connecting to his heritage by recreating the ancient drinks of his ancestors and a woman who set out to make a documentary film about the complexities of Latino identity, even though she'd never made a movie. It's a show about the moments, big and small, that help shape us. You can follow Quien Are We on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode, we talk to Luciana Falaver, a first-generation Latinx immigrant actor, director, and podcaster. Luciana has created projects that discuss immigration, racism, and homelessness, and is now developing a documentary based on the hit Broadway show, Oh Calcutta, addressing the issues of women's rights and sexual liberation, the civil rights movement, and equality. Before our chat with Luciana, Anna Shayla and I catch up. Take a listen.
1: What's up tamarindo
0: amigos? we're back hi tamarindo podcast listeners anna Sheila, que cuentas que pasa contigo
1: que cuento so i'm working um for the week from what i like to call my coming of queerness city so i'm working from san francisco this is where i lived right after college uh, my early and, and mid-20s and uh yeah just a funny little anecdote about that i remember i was looking for a place to live In the city, and uh, I I went on Craigslist actually, and interviewed with my roommates. And uh, at the time, I didn't have any really gay friends, and the house ended up being a house full of queers and and non binaries before I even knew that term. And I was just coming out, and I remember my roommate at the time. She basically gave me two resources. By the way, this was 2011. These resources were already like kind of dated, and that tells you just we didn't have that many things. But she gave me two things. She gave me the whole lesbian sex book, which was like this big fat book. (laughs) And she's like, watch the L word. And that was like, that was like my introduction to like gay queerness, lesbianism. (laughs) It was just really, really funny. So yeah, it's been really cute to, to be back here and, and, you know, my old stomping grounds. So yeah. That is
0: so cool because I, as you know, but our listeners don't know, I'm on my way to the Bay area very soon. I'm going to be out there tomorrow morning taking the whatever six-hour drive. Actually, we always take the one-on-one. We think it's fine to take an extra hour just to have a beautiful scenery on the way to doing that. So we will be doing that. So I will be up there. It's a, it's a nice sp- space that has changed a whole lot, but it's always nice to reconnect with. Uh, we have a lot of friends up there. So that's great to have that background. So let me let our listeners know that today we are going to talk to our friend Luciana Falaber, a Latinx immigrant from Brazil who combines her studies in international development at Columbia University with her passion for filmmaking as a vehicle for shining a light on political issues for social impact. But before we do that, Shayla, I got a question for you. It is allegedly the start of fall, although we're about to hit another heat wave here in California. I'd like to know, what are your favorite fall activities?
1: So uh, I've been getting really into fall and I love going to pumpkin patches. <laughs> um, I also really like going to haunted houses, believe it or not so i can't watch scary movies but i love going to haunted houses so those are so you two like of my... that
0: like when somebody like pops in front of you and goes ah like you yeah. know like they do at not scary farm yeah. that whole thing.
1: I, I love the i love the rush and it's for some reason it's like i like to get scared in that way but it's like i still know it's not real and obviously when i watch a scary movie i know it's not real but for some reason the fear that i get from watching a movie It's way more intense, and then I get nightmares, so I can't do that, but I love going to haunted houses, and I love dressing up. I love dressing up, so I'm really—I love Halloween.
0: Yeah, Yeah. have you started thinking about your costume this year? I mean, it's pretty early, so we've got some time. No,
1: no, I haven't, so I really got to hurry up because I I hate not having a good costume. You know, it's got to be a good costume. So yes yes. What about you Brenda? What are your favorite fall activities?
0: I mean, I don't like haunted. I don't like going to the scary houses. I actually do not like being being scared. I don't like that feeling. I did go Once a not scary farm with this really hot guy a billion years ago, (laughs) but I'll never go again. It's not worth the money. It's not worth it. So I don't, I don't like that. Scary movies. I like, um, more like psychological thrillers, the ones that, that you do end up thinking forever and ever. (laughs) And I want to recommend for folks, if you haven't seen it Midsummer. that, that shit is scary. I do like that. I love pumpkin spice. As soon as it was available, I went and I've had my pumpkin spice everything, I do like that, but I, you know, I'm more of a summer girl, more of a summer girl. But it's always an exciting time, and I'll, I'll take this opportunity to share with folks something that's exciting that always happens in the fall, of course, is Hispanic Heritage Month. So this is when we do cool things for the community. Another friendly reminder that we have a couple of things coming up. One is now we, for sure, it's happening definitely On October 6th, we are going to be doing a Tamarindo live event. That means if you are in the Highland Park area for free, for free, you can join us and see how the magic happens live in the flesh. It'll be uh, sounding a lot better than you're hearing now because right now we're back on the Zooms, as you could probably tell. So this will be live and in person. We have some fantastic guests. We're going to have some fun activities. We're even going to have some um, cocktails, some Tamarindo themed cocktails. So look out for that. We're going to have all the information real soon. But again, save the date, October 6th. This is at a bookstore called The Pop Hop, (laughs) The Pop Hop in Highland Park. We'll have more details on that soon. Right after that, we also have a podcasting workshop that is pay what you can. That is on October 11th. So those are the cool things that we have going on. And Anna Sheila, are you looking forward to those things? Are you excited? How are you feeling about our live activities?
1: I'm so excited. Um, like I've mentioned before, I love being in community. We love to get to connect with like tamarindo amigos and people who care about the things that we care about. So I'm really excited to, to get to hopefully see some of y'all if, if y'all live in the, in the area. Yes, save
0: the date, October 6th. I think it's going to be at 7. <laughs> we'll definitely confirm soon, but in the evening. We'll give you time to get there. All right. So Sheila, before we uh, dive into the rest of our chat here, I thought we could start with our matracas, basuras, calmas as we do. So Sheila, why don't you start with your matraca?
1: All right, my matraca this week is just going to to friends, friends, lo- friend love. Uh, I've just felt really grateful for how my friends have have treated me and welcomed me, especially right now that I'm bouncing around. So just feeling very grateful for for good friend love. And then the other really quick matraca, I'll give a shout out to. I'm gonna see with my friends tonight. The the woman King. It's a it's ah, a yes. It's, yes, it's a movie um, that takes place in the 1800s about a group of of all female warriors who are protecting and African kingdom. So I'm really excited. Um, the director is is a Black director. Her name's Gina Prince. So just, you know, love supporting movies um, by, you know, just people of color, BIPOC folks So excited to, to watch that tonight.
0: Yes, I've heard nothing but great things. So let me know how it is and I will definitely be following you and seeing that soon. So I can share my matraca. My matraca goes to the ritual, the wonderful practice of getting together with people to talk shit about something, <laughs> I freaking love it. I love it. I love it. And you'll soon you'll soon hear my basura, so that you know you know what what that is. And you know what, I'm not afraid to say that I enjoy doing that. And I'm sure that half of you, listen, all of you, probably listening, enjoy it as well too. Especially when it's completely warranted and earned. It's so so much fun. So um, la matraca goes to that.
1: <laughs> uh, hilarious. Amazing. What is your basura? Okay, my basura this week is the instinct that I still have sometimes to want to make white people comfortable. Ooh, so tell that is more. my basura. So the context is so I'm one of those annoying people who love to have a concert in their car. (laughs) That's not annoying. That's joyful. Well, I fucking love it. Sorry. I love it. Yeah, it's joyful. So I do that. I blast my music, especially because I've been able to drive recently and I hadn't been able to do that in a while. So I've been enjoying it so much. So anyways, I'm listening to Gunna, who, uh, for those who don't know, is is a rapper. So I'm playing it quite loud, driving down the street. um, And then I see up ahead an, an older white lady. And I swear, my first instinct was like, oh, I should lower the volume because she's probably not going to like that. So just the fact <laughs> that I, I had that thought, you know, that I'm still thinking about like, Oh, how can I make white people comfortable? So just, I, I noticed, but I, I noticed it in the moment and I was like, no, I haven't enjoying my music and I'm not going to lower my volume for, the five seconds that I drive past her.
0: I hope you turn it up. Oh.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't, but I didn't do anything. So it's like it's just like you know, frustrating that these these thoughts still still come in, and but we get to keep working against them. So that's my basura. <laughs> How about you, Brenda? I love it. I love
0: it. Look, my basura goes to. Folks that continue to bring the energy, the energy of, if you all have seen Office Space, this is a classic movie, tells you how old (laughs) I am, came out in 1999. But folks that bring the energy of that boss in that movie to the workplace, especially on Hispanic Heritage Month, when you bring that energy and you're working with a bunch of smart Latinas and you bring your little smart, your your little know-it-all confidence your little
1: Yes release release it Brenda trash trash absolutely.
0: trash absolutely <laughs> so Sheila what is your calma I'm gonna need some of it
1: yes okay so my calma it's actually inspired by you because I was sharing with you about how I've been able to drive in Mexico City <laughs> ah, Jesus,
0: tell us tell us so fantastic. my calma
1: is driving in Mexico City as a metaphor for how to approach life y'all <laughs> So give here's us, what, give us here are the lessons. It. Here are the lessons. So to drive in Mexico, you have to come with confidence. You have to believe that everything is going to be fine when you drive. Because if you're coming in thinking something is going to happen, then something's going to happen. So you got to come in with confidence. you got to come in aventada, chingona. Um, ¿Qué más? You have to be able to find the fun in the chaos because driving in Mexico City is chaos. But, but be alert. You got to be alert. You can't be on your phone. You got to be paying attention to what's going on around you, but have fun. Este, and then the last piece, you got to go for it. You got to go for it because otherwise, so cars are just going to keep passing you by. You can't let fear stop you from going for it. So how many cars are you going to let pass by or people before you finally let go of the fear and go for what you've been wanting to do? So that's those are, those are my life lessons based on driving in Mexico City. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Excellent. It's so funny that you mentioned all that because I think a lot of the things that you the, the 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 benefits of driving in Mexico City that you've just described are are things that I cherish and that I believe that I bring to everything that I approach. Except for driving, I am such a I am such a terrible driver and I'm terrified. I would never Drive in Mexico City, never. So that that is brave. On top of all that, (laughs) yeah. Um, What is my calma? Oh, my calma is um, reading memoirs. Of course, you we we like to read. This is a this is basically a podcast about advocacy and self love and reading. Is what it is. Is what it is. So we we've both been reading Carmen Rita Wong's memoir. Why don't you tell me? And it is it is very great. It's a great read. It's a great read. I understand why she's a writer and why some people should write memoirs and some people shouldn't. This is a great book. And I'm I'm just excited for this one. It's given me a lot of calma to just, at the end of the day, what I do is I put my phone away about 30 minutes before it's time to go to bed. And I start to wash my face and I get to bed and I read memoirs. And it's been just a nice way to end the
1: day. I love it. That is such a great calma. And I think the other calma I just want to shout out for both of us is how we get to share and release on this on these podcasts. You know, I think us releasing our basuras and, is healing también and a calma in itself.
0: <laughs> I Yes. I mean, th- th- it's a good journal prompt. Everybody, if you've got nothing else to write about, just tell us what your ma- basura matraca and calma is. Exactly. <laughs> it's very great. Um, okay, well, great. With that, it's time to hear from Luciana Falabert. We met Luciana a few years ago during a powerful conversation about the Latina wage gap. And since then, we've been seeing how she uses the power of storytelling to raise awareness about important issues. She's been working with Invisible.tv, a project that recognizes that the first step to solving homelessness is acknowledging that its victims are people, regular people, fathers, mothers, veterans, whole families. This is an issue that is... Anywhere in California, anywhere in this country, we are very much confronted with the failures of our society when we see the issue of homelessness. And it is extremely pronounced here in Los Angeles. So her work with Indivisible.tv, which you all should check out and we'll link, of course, in the bio, link link in our notes for this episode is phenomenal. You really got to check it out. So what we love about Luciana is that she speaks passionately about this work and what motivates her to use the medium of filmmaking to center the humanity of people experiencing homelessness. Luciana is also a a podcaster, because aren't we all? And she has a great podcast called Incessantly Seeking, where she's exploring mental health and relationships. So let's hear from Luciana. First, I want to welcome you, Luciana. Thank you for coming to Tamarindo. It's so great to to see you here virtually. Yes, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, you know, I was thinking this is a really timely conversation. One, because we're about to enter spooky season and I see that horror films are in your wheelhouse, right? You directed this movie that looks really scary. It's called Don't Look and that you've received a lot of accolades for. So I can't wait to to see that. But then secondly, also sometimes reality, life is a little bit as grim as these scary movies. And something that just got released today is some numbers around homelessness in L.A. County. And it increased by 4.1% from last year. So in, in thinking about homelessness, I know that this is an issue that matters to you. Can you talk to us about your project, Invisible People?, And the role that storytelling can can take in humanizing people experiencing homelessness.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Invisible People is a nonprofit focused on um, eradicating homelessness by changing the mindset and the perception around homelessness in America. So one of the biggest uh, obstacles that we see with homelessness is number one, the way it's pre- perceived. So a lot of people, and I'm sure you've heard this before when they're talking about the issue, the conversation usually surrounds around, oh, but there's help and they don't want it. Or, you know, there's shelters but they don't want to go there or they have, you know, mental health problems or they have some kind of like uh, drug issue. And even though those are factors that also exist in the homelessness population, it's not at all the number one issue, it's not at all the driving factor to homelessness. So our work really surrounds around being on the streets and Invisible People had a very successful, award-winning documentary department. And when I came along, uh, my perception was a little bit different. I feel like there's a lot of power in scripted films, you know, people might... You know, lease a car, but own a television, not have a place to live, but have an iPhone because they can stay in touch with what's happening in the world and entertainment. So there's a lot more accessibility surrounding, um, I think, television and scripted films and television programming. So when I started working with Invisible People, it was kind of by accident. Our first film, Homeless, When we decided to make that film, we were thinking about calling it Invisible People. And we did a Google search to see if that name was taken by a different film. And it turns out we found the organization. I later on came to meet Mark Horvarf, who runs the organization. And he loved the idea of scripted films. But like a lot of people was very skeptical. How can this help? You know, movies are expensive. Why spend all this money on making a movie and not putting back into homelessness? And we do. We do both. So, the way that we make movies now is we got a grant for about $50,000 last year, or it was this year. I don't even know anymore. Everything is starting to blend. So, we talked and we decided, how about we turn $50,000 into $100,000? So, we took 10 from that grant. Then, we raised another 10. We just shot our third film called Eviction that is now in post production. And um, we have another 40 that we're going to split into four more films. Hopefully the next one will raise more than 10 and we can you know, shoot it for 30. Now I'm trying to find partnerships with other organizations that will fund maybe one or two segments of our films. Um, and they have created an, an, an impact that we didn't expect. It's, you know, we have th- 300,000 views on one, one of our films, almost 500,000 on the second film. I'm very confident the third one is going to be a, the most watched one we've made so far. And they just keep getting better. We we keep getting more detailed on the issues. And at the end of the day, my idea of surrounding this was you can come home from work and be exhausted and watch a documentary short on homelessness and feel in, completely discouraged. Or you can watch a film that it will help you, quote, unquote, relax as you get ready for the end of your day and then be somewhat touched or inspired or... Just either just start the conversation around the topic. This kind of scripted content also reaches a different audience than documentary style does. But one of the issues that we found through research and the organization does a lot of research surrounding not only homelessness, but the way it's, it's accepted or the way that it is consumed in terms of content. And we realized that a lot of the shutdown around the topic involved really just this feeling of hopelessness of like, oh, my God, I don't want to watch another movie on homelessness because I can't do anything to help. I can't help solve the problem. Oh, I'm not. I don't work in politics. I don't have the, the, the anything power means or money to help with the issue. So people, we realize we're turning off from the issue because of that. And through this films, we try to show that there are so many ways that you can help Um, A lot of the ways is, you know, get your old clothes from your closet. Don't take them to Goodwill, like go to a nearby encampment, leave them on the corner. When people don't realize Goodwill helps, sure, but they charge people. And when you're being charged five dollars for, you know, a shirt or a pair of jeans, and maybe that's your food budget for the day, you know, so we try. There's so many little things you can do. You, You see a lot of people on the streets with the sign like hungry and things like that. In my car, I always have a pack of Gatorade. Like this week, I don't because it's so hot and I don't want to give no scorching hot Gatorade off on the streets. But usually, you know, you can do that. You can keep a pack of something that's non-perishable in your car, cookies or something that uh, or, or a Nutri bar or some kind of power bar, something that's small. That you can hand off, you know, if you come across someone in need or you can donate your five dollars, you know, to an organization that you trust or you can volunteer for a day. I have a lot of friends who during this heat wave are out on the streets just handing out water to homeless people. People don't understand in New York, you know, I'm from New York, from the East Coast. There's a lot of uh, fear surrounding the snow and the extreme weather but there's very few discussions on the heat, extreme weather. A lot of people die in this heat. You know, we were just shooting in Las Vegas for our film eviction and we watched the the people walking endlessly on that town all day long in that sun, you know, the unbearable heat. So social impact in in filmmaking, I think it's really very powerful, but I went to school for international politics. And at some point I thought I would work for the UN or something like that because I wanted to create change. And then one day I realized, okay, I could be in an office and spend my entire lifetime to try to change one law. And maybe that would happen. And maybe that would be of impact to millions of people, or I can create content that is watched around the world. And that would create, you know, impact for hundreds of thousands of people and hopefully millions of people over time, you know? So now we're trying to create something that will live past me and past the collective so that the stories continue to be told. Unfortunately, the problem of homelessness, we don't see it going away as we all are seeing, housing prices are skyrocketing. Um, There was a study that just came out about North Carolina saying that every time the rents are raised $100, homelessness is also raised by 4.5%. By every $100, that's insane. I don't know about you, California's rental prices definitely went up more than that in the last year. So the number that you just read me, the 4% of homelessness increased in the year of 2022, that's completely erroneous. Homelessness numbers are not properly counted. If you live in your car, you don't count as homeless. A lot of families don't want them to be reported as homeless because they think they'll lose their children. Although homelessness is not a cause for you to have your kids taken away from you, it's not bad parenting. So, but there's just you know um, a lot of stereotypes that you, especially as a single parent, afraid to lose your kids, you're definitely not gonna put yourself in any kind of questionable way. In which you can lose your cho- your children. So a lot of these cases are not reported. I can tell you the numbers are, are a lot lot higher. Yes,
0: it's a, it's a definitely a difficult number to to count. And I think the the message is clear that although when there's efforts to count the homeless population, these numbers that I'm referencing are by the the loss of report. It does, does include the folks that are living in their cars, but absolutely true that that we're only we're only skimming the surface. Of the issue, because yeah. it is so difficult to count people that are experiencing homelessness. But I think you touched on a lot of different things, and I want to just celebrate that that storytelling and narrative change is an important aspect of achieving policy change. So the work that you're you basically you had it in you, right? You were going to change policy one way or another, and your avenue is through storytelling, and that is just as powerful. And I just want to celebrate you for for the work that you're doing and for, turning those $50,000 into such, a, such greater impact. And um, we are all going to check out more of this, of the Invisible People Project and the, the films that you're producing with that. We've always known that the Latino community is not a monolith. We are so diverse in our ideas and experiences. It's hard to fit us into the typical mold of conservatives versus liberals that's why i want to tell you about pulso y pendulo a brand new weekly podcast for all our spanish speakers out there the hosts cover the latest issues that are top of mind in the u.s plus they keep a watchful eye on latin america it is hosted by carlos gurello a former congressman from miami he was elected as a republican but worked with his colleagues on both sides of the aisle to tackle climate change and gun control and much more and fabiola galindo an emmy nominated journalist born in peru and based in New York, who has covered the Latino community for more than a decade. They often approach controversial issues from different perspectives, but what they have in common is a deep desire to fight polarization and disinformation. Join the conversation. Check out Pulso y Pendulo today. New episode drops every Thursday. Find Pulso y Pendulo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. else that I want to touch on is that, and you mentioned it earlier as well, I mean, what, there's so many issues, intersecting issues that, that um, result in so many people experiencing homelessness, including mental health and access mm-hmm. to mental health resources. And this is, of course, of course, another issue that matters a lot to you. And is, it is sort of a, an issue that you talk about in, in your podcast, Incessantly Seeking. So can you tell us a little bit about why this issue matters to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very Latino family, very sexist, very machista, very traditional. And, you know, to this day, the discussion around therapy and mental health is challenging. I, I tell my mother like you need therapy. She's like, no, I don't. You know, it's like it's a constant fight that we've had all our lives. I think when it comes to even our male counterparts, there's a lot of men that have a lot of stigma surrounding uh, therapy and and any kind of mental health services. But then if you add that to the cultural factor, you know, for black and brown males, it's even harder. There's even more of a stigma. I think that's changing a lot. I have a lot of friends who are in therapy, and uh, they report back amazing things and. I think 2020 during the pandemic, it was kind of a, for lack of a better term, come to Jesus moment. Everybody just realized, like, oh, okay, this shit's hard and I need some help. And, you know, in Zoom became available in a more widely spread way. A lot of therapists, including the one I had at the time, and even the one I have now, like we still do Zoom sessions. I think it allowed for access to mental health um, professionals cheaper and faster. Now you don't have to drive 30 minutes to go see someone. You can literally be, you know, At home, just taking care of the kids or finishing your homework or, you know, coming back, whatever. You can be in your car and you can do a a 15 minute to an hour session. We have really been addressing different facets of love and relationships, be it romantic, be it, you know, relationships with friends, be it with family. Relationships are hard and a post-pandemic world where you have to come to terms with the trauma, the fears that you have, the years that you lost. Um, maybe the jobs that you were finally getting and then everything shut down and now things have not quite been back or or what you hoped that it would be afterwards. So I think what I learned through 2020 is that mental health is not just a necessity, but a human right. I think everybody should have access to free mental health in different ways. Issues happen throughout every stage of our lives, be it childhood or adulthood or then you know older age. Um, But I've seen a lot of my friends after the 2020 pandemic really have a meltdown. And somehow it has been more prevalent amongst my male friends, maybe because women are better at covering it up and keeping it together. That could be one of those reasons. But I've had a lot of friends this year who either told me they were going through a depression or that they finally seek, fight, you know, some kind of a mental health support. And I'm really proud. I think it's really necessary. I think it's going to create a world in which we're more aware and hopefully not only of ourselves, but of each other.
0: Yeah, I mean I think what maybe what's happening too is like you said there's like there's these efforts to remove the stigma, so maybe more of these men and especially men of color are are feeling empowered to to be say hey, I need help, I need support and this is nothing to be ashamed of. So uh, yes, I think it is definitely something to celebrate that your friends are are getting therapy and I know our, it's an issue that matters a lot to our listeners. Um well I have a few more questions for you. This is where we have our fun, rapid-fire questions for our guests that come to Tamarino. These are really fun, and you know sometimes it opens up even more conversation. So the first question that we have is, what are you celebrating? What we do is we have this toy called La Matraca. It's a Mexican uh, noisemaker, but <laughs> usually at soccer games you'll see these. So they're for a cause of celebration. So what is one thing you're celebrating? It could be big, small trivial, serious, what is something you're celebrating?
2: Well, I just moved and I'm super excited about that. So that's definitely a reason to celebrate. Um, I have a project that just got our first contract and it's moving forward. And we're really excited about that. I have so much to celebrate. Um, I feel incredibly lucky. So I just did an episode of the rookie a couple of weeks ago. That was really fun. Um, yeah, so I, I'm feeling pretty lucky. Yes, yes. We've been keeping up with all the great
0: things that you're up to. So yes, matracas to all of that. <laughs> and then kind of conversely, what are you putting in la basura? What are you canceling? What are you done with? You're over it, big or
2: small. What is it? I would say every day, big or small, what I am taught over and over again is to trust my gut. If something feels wrong, it's wrong. If something feels right, it's right. Um, I think we, at least myself, I used to ponder a lot and ask my friends, do you think this is right? Do you think this is not right? And I still value others' opinions. You know, if I have a legal issue, of course, I'm going to consult a lawyer. If I have some kind of a budgetary issue, I'm going to consult an economist. Like, sure. But at the end of the day, I think um, I have never been wrong when my intuition told me something. I've only been wrong when I didn't listen. So mm. I am definitely putting in the basura the uh, um, not listening to myself part. So yes. now it's like my intuition said what she said, and I am listening. And please do not interrupt while she's yes. speaking. Yes, let's listen to her. Right, listen to the intuition. <laughs> That's
0: really a great one. Now, um, how do you stay grounded? I mean, like I, one thing that I love about the, the the your the work that you take on. There's always that sort of that um, social justice. You want to do something, You not, not only do a project for the sake of the art, which is, of course, is valuable in and of itself, but there's there's a mission behind it. There's a mission aligned. So you take a lot on. So how do you stay grounded? How do you get your calma?
2: I love nature. You know, c- growing up with my mother, um, we were always in some kind of, you know, I grew up in Brazil, so we were always surrounded by the Amazon. Um, coming from some indigenous roots, you know, we have that. We need to be with the environment kind of thing. Um, And growing up in Rio as a big city, we were always getting away and getting into the forest and hugging the trees and all that stuff. So here in LA, which I love, I have that access. When I lived in New York, it felt very much city jungle and Central Park is not like really nature in any way. So pre-pandemic, I used to go on long hikes by myself. I used to go to the Sequoias by myself. I used to go to national parks by myself. I've been chased by bears. I get lost in like, you know, mountains and I've always come out the other side and I'm not somebody who hikes with music or anything on. I just myself and my thoughts. And at some point it's really a moment of, you uh, un- like unifying that comes to a moment in a long hike where your thoughts stop and you, you just, your mind is blank. And I think is that's that moment of, uh, meditation people talk about when you're finally get through the, the bottom of the pit kind of thing. So when I try to meditate, and I'm sure as I stick to it, there's a lot of chatter in my brain and in my mind. And when I do physical activity, that chatter eventually subsides. And I am really left with a moment of silence. So that to me is number one. So the, the day-to-day things, um, you know, we can't be going to the sequoias in the middle of the week just to connect with nature. And Brunyon does not do that, that's for sure. So... Right. Right. <laughs> I, I always joke that Runyon is where you go like walk your latte and talk about boys because no one is doing anything that has exactly. remotely to do with health. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I usually journal a lot. One thing that I've learned this year uh, through a really bad like relationship I had was to deal with the thoughts in my head and my emotions was to journal. And I'm a writer. I think, interestingly, something I've done since I was a child I don't know if most people feel that way. You know, some people like to, to use images and pictures or sit and think about things. Um, writing helps me because when the really annoying, egotistical, like you're not good enough thoughts come, I sit with my journal, I write what the thoughts are, and then I investigate like a, like a detective would. Okay, is this thought real? Is this really true? What are the facts in my life that tell me that this is not a true fact? For instance, oh my God, I haven't booked a show. I haven't booked a series in a long time. I'm never going to work again as an actress. Okay, write that Town. Is that true? Will you never work again as an actress? Is that true? Probably not. As you can see, I continue to do other work, uh, not just in television, but in film as an actress. So, okay, then you can debunk that one thing that your brain is telling you. Another thing like, oh, I'm not good enough. Is that true? I have great samples of my work that show otherwise. No, that is not true. And once you break down those thoughts one by one and you realize, oh, this is just my fears, my insecurities, my crazy monkey brain telling me things that are not really real, then you can move on. And um, it has been very helpful. I move on with my day and I go, oh, okay, none of these things are real. I understand, I guess, my my uh, ego is trying to protect me from getting hurt and I am very thankful. And I tell myself, thank you, ego. But no, thank you. I got this. I take it. I'll take it from here. And I go on with my day. So I think, you know, a lot of people say, and I keep hearing this, especially in different acting classes, but a lot of it is like, oh, you know, go out into the world and think positivity and like do positive things, reframe, look at the good. And I'm like, sure. There was nothing more powerful than a gratitude list. On our last episode of Incessantly Seeking, we have five things that can help you move on from a bad relationship. And I interviewed a woman called Tiffany Reese. She runs a podcast called Something Was Wrong. It's like the second most listened podcast in America. And it's about true crime and you know a lot of different um, aspects of it in, in relationships. And one of the things that we came... To conclusion with is that yes, that there's a lot of helpful things that come from a gratitude list for being grateful, for seeing the positive, for training your brain to see what's good. But at the same time, there is something called toxic positivity. Absolutely. And yep. <laughs> that is so detrimental. I, there's nothing worse than when, when there's nothing worse when you're going through a bad day and someone's like, just cheer up, you know. Oh, you're overreacting, just get over it. Like none of those things are helpful. So um, I always try to be practical. I'm, I'm somebody who came from a policy background. I, you know, I have a degree in biology. I always tried to like kind of come from a scientific method kind of mind thinking um, and th- proving yourself wrong, even if it's just in analyzing the facts of your own thoughts helps. Yes, absolutely. Those are
0: such so many brilliant takeaways in in that response. So we really appreciate it. So many things that that speak to us at Tamarindo. You're sort of like a perfect combo of both Anna Sheila and I because she is a big proponent of journaling and a lot of the a lot of the um, recommendations that you have about writing and the, and the benefits of that. All all things that I know resonate a lot with Anishela. and for me, I love I love exactly how you describe the meditation that comes from these extremely long hikes. Like I've done these twenty hour hikes, and it's it that's what happens. And no other way, no other way will I will I have my brain calm down than in those twenty hour hikes or some physical activity. Wonderful, wonderful tips and recommendations. Now, where can folks catch
2: your podcast? How can they keep up with your projects? And how can we support you? thank you so much for the support always i appreciate everybody listening um like i always say i hope this is something you can use I'm, i i want everybody to be the best versions i want everybody to use what i use and i hope that uh, it helps and incessantly seeking is live on all platforms spotify audible uh apple Podcasts, and you can find me on instagram at luciana faheber official all together i know it's a really long handle and I try to change it many times. But once you get verified, it's very difficult to get at anybody at, at uh, Instagram to get back to you on anything. But um, I will say I am you know, very active there. Do not DM me. I usually don't check those boxes, but you can comment you know, on any post. And I usually respond to people who are making comments. I always check that. I try to stay very active. So please communicate with me over there.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, the, bon- the benefit is that they know that they have the right Luciana because it's your name. Yeah. So it's perfect. Well, thank you so, so much. This was such joy. Thank you so much for stopping by at Tamarindo. We're always going to amplify and support your
2: work. And thank you so much. Yeah, it's been wonderful. I mean, I appreciate the work that you ladies are doing. I follow your work. I listen to it. And I think it's important for representation of being a woman and being a woman in the Latinx, Latinx in Latino, however people identify themselves these days. I like to say all of it. Why not? You know, we all belong to everything all the time. It's about inclusion, not exclusion. So uh, thank you for the work that you do. And it's an honor to be here. Yes,
0: perfect. I love, the, I love that that recap of the, the Latinx and all that. Thank you. Take
2: care. It was so great chatting with you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards.
0: If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com.